This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Welcome back to Deluxe Edition. I'm your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, L. Ray Sexton. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, buddy. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Real good. Yeah. We had another great interview with our friend, the Beastmaster, Mark Singer. Yeah. I always like it when you refer, you tell him like to his face, like, uh, you know, I like to tell people I was hanging out with the Beastmaster. He'll always be known as the Beastmaster. As much as we try to avoid talking about the Beastmaster, he will always be the Beastmaster. All right, let's get into our little house cleaning, and then we will get into the interview. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find all of the other great shows over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. The podcasts of the month this month are quad pro quo go check those guys out over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com you can find all of our previous shows over at deluxeedition.show and let's see ray is handling the instagram duties twitter is gone i deleted the twitter i started a threads and i posted a couple things on there and it's i don't know instagram is where it's at follow ray on instagram Lots of posts all day. Yeah, it's a good time over there on the Instagram. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition. Get a t-shirt. We have uh, deluxe edition network shirts over there as well as uh, deluxe edition shirts. Or you could go to patreon.com slash deluxe edition pod and get the interviews unedited immediately after they are recorded. And let's see. What do you have for us, Ray? Uh, if you don't want to pay big, heavy prices in the big mall store where we sell our merch, you can come over to the Tencent Beer Night Podcast T Public site and get yourself a deal. That shit's on sale all the time. You can get cups. I think we even got them things for the babies, uh, the onesies. I think I got the uh, deluxe edition onesies over there now. So yeah, you, you want to impress, uh, you know, baby mama? Go get her one of those things for the kid. Show her your yeah. hair. <laughs> I actually just got a new uh, new workout shirt from the the bootleg site. I got a uh, I got myself a tank top to work out in a deluxe uh, edition nice. bootleg tank top. Yeah, is it the one with our faces on it? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't get that one. I'm not. <laughs> I saw it though, and I laughed. I chuckled. Uh, yeah, I don't even own that one. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's it, right? Did I miss anything? Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, we do have some a Facebook group and a Facebook page if you want to come over there and hang out with us. You know, if you're afraid of Instagram because you're old, then you can come over to Facebook and hang out in the group. It's a lot of the same stuff, but you get to vote in polls. Yeah. Like, who's a better actor, Schwarzenegger or Stallone? Yeah, what are we going to do with all those polls you've been been posting? Are we going to have a a show dedicated to those? Yeah, we should. Yeah. All right. We can do that in the future. Yeah, yeah. There's going to come a time when we don't have a guest, and you're going to be saying, what are we going to do? Those days are coming very soon. (laughs) All right. But here is uh, our guest for tonight, Mark Singer. Mark, man, it's good to see you, man. Hey, I'm glad to see you guys. Hi, Casey. Hi, Ray. How are you doing? Good. Hi, good. Hi, Mark. I'm doing fine. Thanks. I'm always I'm always doing well when I'm in your company. Uh, you don't know how how great that makes us feel, man. <laughs> I'm back at you. So uh, it's been a little while since we saw you. Uh, the last time you were headed to London, I think, the last time that we talked to you for a Comic-Con. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I I had talked to you after that, and I I know you you had gotten sick over there, I think, right? Yeah, I did. I I don't know how to approach this delicately, but I I learned a lesson for myself anyway about international travel and uh, going through uh, one of the busiest uh, international terminals. Well, two of the most, uh, two of the busiest international terminals, and then going to what is what would be under most circumstances, a super spreader event. Uh, and then coming back through those two terminals, I think the chances exponentially raise at each shift uh, for getting COVID. And I did, I got it. Well, how'd you do with it? Was it, was this the first time that you had it? Yeah. Or had you ha- had you had it before at all during the pandemic? No, 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 never had it. And I had, all, I had uh, uh, the shot and all four boosters and uh, was, uh, well, you know, you've been to my place. I, yeah. I, a pretty hermit's existence. And uh, so I'm, uh, you know, until I decided to put myself in a tube and fly myself across the, the world, uh, I was doing okay. But I don't think any amount of vaccination would uh, would indemnify you against that kind of activity. How was it for you? Because I had it, I was down for maybe two or three days. Oh, my, well, but yeah, but you're built like a truck. You know, nothing is going to hurt you. Are you kidding me? I'm, a nor- I'm an ordinary mortal. Uh, it, it knocked me down for about, uh, three weeks. Uh, and it's a, just sort of a, uh, I, I'm a pretty healthy individual, but it, it's just a nasty feeling disease. It's just sort of makes you feel crummy and, and, and filthy and dirty. I don't know how, how to express it. Um, there's a kind of a taste to it, uh, or there was in my experience. And then, and it lasted for, for three damn long weeks. And then after that, there wasn't, uh, there was just a little sort of residual tiredness for a while. And now I'm back on my pins. Yeah. It does influence your thinking though. I'm, I'm, I am thinking very seriously about any, uh, any, uh, any of that kind of enclosed public travel, uh, uh that I might avoid in the future. I do it every week, man. <laughs> every week I want to play. You're a mountain of a man. We all admire you. <laughs> Bark. You, I, so Dude, you're you're the you're the beast master, man. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was the uh, I was the influenza master at that moment. I had all <laughs> the, all the microbes. I was the microbe master. 
So uh, before we got started here a little bit, you had asked me if I was if I was working out. I hear you're going back into the ring and, and God help anybody who has to face you. <laughs> I've sat across the breakfast table from you. That was scary enough. <laughs> the rumors are true. Yes, I'm uh, getting back in the ring uh, August 27th here in a couple of weeks. But I want to talk about about your your uh like when you were the Beastmaster, we've talked about this before, and I, the other interviews, I've tried to stray away from the Beastmaster as much as I could. But now that I'm getting, trying to get healthy, um, like looking back at your movies, you were always in such great shape. And like other than I think maybe the time that I saw you lifting weights in one of the movies, maybe think with Chuck Connors, uh, you oh. were in the gym in that, like. You seem you you seem like the type of guy that never went had to go to the gym. Like you just, you know, I was uh, uh, I was always uh, um, more individually athletic uh, than a team sport player. Uh, I played a, a little bit of team sports when I was back in junior high school and stuff like that. But um, but always, you know, swimming and running and the outdoor life was my was my passion, I guess, uh, my inclination, uh, as a, as a personality, but, um, the real toning up of my health came with, uh, with Kung Fu, with, uh, Hunga Fu Hock Kung Fu at the Seattle Kung Fu club, uh, uh, under master John Leong. Um, and, uh, under a true, uh, under a true master like that, um, <laughs> you're going to turn into a different person, whether you want to or not. Uh, and, uh, and so the, uh, the good health aspect that I brought to the Beastmaster was uh, the result of that kind of training. Uh, you have to be inclined uh, to, to want it in the first place and put yourself through it. But um, to me, it's the difference between learning how to execute a sport not to denigrate any of this, but it's one thing to learn how to play baseball or to learn how to play football or to learn how to, how to be a hockey player or any other thing, soccer, lacrosse, anything you want to say. But that's different than the uh, Eastern and specifically Chinese in this case, and specifically Hong style uh, idea of what physical education uh, 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 represents. Uh, and in that case, it's a holistic uh, approach toward your life. It doesn't make it doesn't make anybody it it it, it doesn't confer sainthood on anybody. Uh, you still have to work through all the humanity uh, of your own personality with all its flaws and everything else. But uh, but it does give you an idea that you can a, me a mechanics a methodology that you can work with every day. So what what kind of training? And, that, and uh, by the way, and, and by the way, that's a short answer. <laughs> well, so like the Kung Fu training, was there any kind of uh, like diets or anything that you were like, what, 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 like what? Because come on, man, I'm trying to, I want to, I need to get healthier for August 27th. Oh, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I was, I was all about me. Uh, <laughs> that's I unusual. Know the Beastmasters training techniques. It's, it's unusual in my profession to be all about me, but I, but I was there for a moment. I, um, <laughs> oh, you want some actual advice? Well, uh, all I can tell you is that the harder, the more assiduously you train, the more you yourself will cut out all of the uh, extraneous uh, 
treats and sweets that you otherwise would indulge in because there's just not room for it. I mean, you can get your body to the point of such purity. Uh, uh, I never, I always like a good cup of morning coffee to get me started, but it, I couldn't take a drop of cream in it. A drop of cream in the middle of my uh, exercise uh, regime, uh, as dedicated as I was to it in those days, would have felt like I'd eaten a pound of butter. So, I mean, you can get really, really, really clean and spare in your diet uh, and uh, and build up the, the good health aspects of it uh, because you just pay attention to not eating junk. I haven't had any bread in over three weeks, which is the worst three weeks of my life. Yeah, I don't, you know, the, I tell you, I, I have, I have had at various times in, in my career, uh, um, because I have to be on camera. So I have to, so I get very self-conscious about, about my, my physical shape. I have had a success with what's called food combining. Do you know what that is? Food combining? No. Oh, it's an old, it's an old, uh, uh, by now, uh, system whereby you can eat bread and vegetable matter as much as you want. You can have, you know, a vinaigrette kind of salad dressings, and you can have all the vegetable matter you want, and you can have bread, but you can't have any dairy, and you can't have any meat. Then you wait until your system has digested or sufficiently digested that vegetable-based matter, and then you can have meat, and you can have even some, a little bit of cream or you know, sweeties with it, something like that, because it's the combination in this theory of, of dietary apportionment. Uh, how's that for a sentence? That uh, that uh, that says you you can't combine the proteins with the starches and the vegetables. You have to keep them cleanly separated from one one another in your system. And I actually had good uh, uh, good results with that when I wanted to kind of trim down and 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 yet retain uh, energy. Yeah, I've been doing the, it's called intermittent fasting. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. I have. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a, a successful faster. Uh, so, uh, and, and I think intermittent fasting is uh, probably uh, good for those who have a, a kind of a philosophy, a, a philosophical uh, goal or an actual physical goal, physical goal that, that, encourages that kind of asceticism you know what i mean yeah but, but, but i'm i'm uh i'm too much of a hedonist <laughs> I <like it. laughs> I mean, yeah. don't don't put a plate of food in front of me not if you want to not if you want to get any of it back yeah now see my advice to casey was just get a tan nobody looks bad with a tan <laughs> <laughs> I, I refuse to comment. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been shocked and horrified at the beach too many times. <laughs> now, Mark, over over the career, I mean, you've been over your career, you've always been in pretty decent shape. But have you ever noticed uh, we had another friend of ours on that? Uh, he told us at one point during the filming of something that they were like, I think it was a longer TV series and they had shot you know, one half of the TV series first and then come back later to do the rest of it. And he had gained a little weight. And have you ever dealt with anything like that or, or heard anybody on, you know, with uh, producers or directors coming to someone on set and saying, look, you you need to look better for this. You need to look like like you did a couple of weeks ago. 
I think it. Uh, I, I I think it's all a matter of. Uh, it's it's it, you know it, look it, it, it's a business. And you wouldn't go up to your boss. You wouldn't go up to the franchise on a football team. You know, to the quarterback and say, "Slim down, fatso." You, you just wouldn't do it. Not if he's winning your games for you, right? You understand? Yeah. You go, oh boy, can I want some want some more? Can I get you something? <laughs> you like a hot dog? You know, you look a little hungry to me. So, uh, uh, so I mean, that enters into it. Um, uh, you'd be surprised uh, at the amount of uh, uh, at the at the amount of sins that uh, creative cinematography and lighting. Uh, can uh, can disguise. If you see one of your favorite celebrities in person sometime, you might be, you know, stunned at the at their girth that you never never realized uh, they were carrying around when you saw them on a daily on a weekly basis. You know, or yeah. from film. Right. That's like when I when I won the role to play in that fan film, uh, Jason Voorhees. When I had two kills in that fan film. I said to Peter, and we've become friends over the last couple of years too. I said, "What if someone would have won that? That would have been like five foot tall, you know? Like Jason's a big, a big dude, and they they lucked out by getting me because I'm six two, two fifty. Uh, he he just said, "Smoke and mirrors, man. We would have made it work." That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's that's uh, uh, the amount of creative genius that goes into uh, the making of a of a decently good movie is astonishing. Yeah. Um, uh, you can, you could, uh, a, a well-versed stunt coordinator uh, can make the difference between somebody seven feet two and five feet four just absolutely disappear. Uh, a lot of what I learned as a matter of fact about film history, uh, about uh, how to address the camera um, and about the, um, the hierarchy of filmmaking and um, uh Almost all the technical aspects of of, uh, of filmmaking, uh, I learned from uh, from a stuntman. That's that's where I got my training. And he was uh, he came in the industry as an extra, uh, became uh, then a stuntman, then a stunt coordinator, then a second unit director, then a director uh, and writer and producer. And so he certainly knew all the tricks of the trade and was very generous in in sharing that with me. But that's that's just one. That's just one um, division in the in the in the crew of, of filmmaking. You can get information from a hairdresser or from a makeup artist or somebody that you would think didn't have uh, uh, you wouldn't expect uh, in the normal uh, uh, course of events to have the kind of information that might uh, that might smarten up your 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 technique. But they but they do. It's a, it's usually a smarter a smarter bunch of people <laughs> than I, than I, that I've worked with in most of my career. Uh, yeah. We talked to Gary Davis. He was a, a stunt coordinator. Um, man, he's so knowledgeable and all that stuff. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. The stuff that yeah. that guy could do. Yeah. 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 All right. I have one last Beastmaster question, and this is something that has been popping up recently since the, the anniversary. And if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to, I'm going to ask you because I feel like I can because we're friendly. We're friends. That's okay. Um, I've got a I've got a boil that's been popping up as a matter of fact back over here that you could take a look at later, maybe. Absolutely. So we just, next just trade that off. Next time I'm in town, man, I'll take a look. Somebody is somebody said advice somebody advised me that more showering would probably take care of that, but I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
I'm not willing to give such a radical idea a lot of play. We'll find out. Yeah, well, the last time I was out there, there was a drought, right? You can't. Oh, you should see, by the way, you, you, uh, I, I wish you could see uh, uh, the, back, the back hill and all of that area uh, because it's uh, a completely different, different experience now than what you saw. Yeah. Really? It's, it's, it's quite lush, and the birds are going, are thrilled. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. So I read this recently that in the first few days of filming, one of the scenes where you were running towards the camera, you did not stop and blasted right through Don Coscarelli as an, and he took offense to it and thought it was a bit of a hazing. Is there any truth to this? And if there is or isn't, could you tell us the real story? Yeah. The answer is no to any of it. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, look, this was, uh, this was the middle of a sequence in which in, in the space of about four to six, maybe, maybe I would go about six hours. We, with the extraordinary guidance of, uh, of the, one of the original, one of the originator, originators of the Stuntmen's Association, which was the first Stuntmen's Guild ever established in, in Hollywood history, as I, as I understand it. Under his able uh, direction, we did the entire destruction of the leading characters, uh, Dar's village, in about six or eight hours. And we had the greatest stuntmen from the Stuntmen's Association, the old-time cowboy guys who knew how to ride horses and ride down people and trample them underfoot without touching them or hurting them. Uh, and to leap from horse to horse and to do horse falls where, where the horse would fall, raise up and fall back over on you and where entire, uh, 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 a stilt village that was built on telephone poles 30 feet high in the air were crashing down in flames all across the set. We did all of that in six hours in the way that a football team might run plays, just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, and uh, the, the cameras were constantly being shifted from side to side and from here to there, and, and action overlapped. And when, uh, when they got the idea that I was uh, not only physically fit but also eager to participate, uh, uh, I was thrown into as much of that as possible. So it is possible that with the adrenaline pumping as it was, that there might have been a combination of over-enthusiasm and a target to, uh, to uh, at the end of a long run when a horse was <laughs> bearing down on me with, I believe it was, the iconic Vince Dedrick swinging a mace <laughs> and clipping me from behind that gave me an extra impetus that I could not stop and ended up uh, with uh, Don and myself in a, a kind of a, a tangled embrace shall we say, on the, uh, on the sward. Uh, and um, uh, all of that is in rough and tumble good fun. Um, uh, and uh, uh, so I refuse to either take uh, responsibility for it as intentional nor deny it uh, for uh, just playing good fun. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. All right. Let's get into, uh, well, all right. Uh, what was it like arm wrestling Chuck Connors? <laughs> I, I just watched that High Desert Kill the other day. Arm wrestling Chuck Connors? Yeah, you wrestled Chuck Connors. Arm wrestled Chuck Connors. i tell you two, uh, two things. First of all, he was, I, I believe he was well into his 70s when, uh, when we uh, 
participated together in that. And he was still just iron strong. He was just powerful as he could be. There it is, High Desert Kill. He named it. He's the one that gave that that film its title. Did you? Did I tell you that? No. Yeah, he gave the film its title. But I did I, and also did I relate to you uh, uh, the time that uh, we held uh, the book for him while he did his lines? Did I tell you that part? I don't think so. No, this is the, I, I haven't. Before, I haven't before, brought up High Desert Kill in the past at all. So before I before I tell you before I uh, uh, explore the the sort of the exterior of how strong he was and how, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is easy to relate to. I want to tell you something about the inner man and what it takes to be a, 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 an artist at that level of practice. There were in, if in high desert kill for anybody who's watching that, that didn't see the, uh, the, the film <laughs> multitudes, uh, there, there, um, there, it was broken into two sections. Basically, there were three of us who were comrades and hunters and buddies and pals out in the desert hunting. And then there was the old timer, Chuck Connors, who showed up. And um, the, so we had been working together, the three of us, the younger players. We'd been working together and we'd already established a rapport and uh, an ease with our work and our characterizations. And we were kind of, you know, riffing off each other's performances in a real improvisational and creative way that, that pleased all of us and pleased and pleased our wonderful director. And then Chuck showed up and uh, we knocked on his dressing room door, his trailer door. And he said, what's up? What is it? What's out there? I said, Hey, Chuck, I said, do you want to do, you want to rehearse your scenes? You got your first scene is coming up. And it was five pages. It was five pages in which he told his life story. Oh, then I went here and then I went there and I'll tell you something else. You know, there's one of the things when you've lived as long as I have and you'll find out, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's one of the, it just went on and off for five pages. See? And all we had to do was go, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, then what? You know what I mean? It was that kind of stuff. So I said, you know, it's his first day on camera. Let's let's give the guy a break. So I said, do you want to rehearse your lines? He said, rehearse my lines. He said, yeah, come here, come here, come here, come here, guys, come here, come here. So we all went inside his dressing room, his trailer. And uh, he said, give the, give the kid the script. And there was the youngest player among us. He, we handed the script to him. And we said, okay. He said, find the scene. So we, he turned the pages to the scene. He said, go to the end of the scene. He said, go to the end of the scene, the last, the end of the scene. I'm telling you, five pages, right? And he proceeded to do his lines backwards, word for word, five pages. That's the kind of intellect <laughs> that lurks within the talent of an artist like that. And I tell you, it's both a, a humbling and an inspiring experience uh, to, to find yourself uh, in a profession where that kind of ability uh, must be commonplace in order for you to shine and, or even to just uphold your end of the, of the bargain. That's amazing. So that's, oh, see, you know, well, he, well, he was clearly an idiot. And so, uh, <laughs> and there, so, so there was, there was, there's that. And then the, as for his strength, he just was, you know, just a great big bruiser of a guy. And he maintained his strength, I imagine, until the end of his days. I saw him on the rifleman give a rendition of uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And I tell you, it was breathtaking. It was just breathtaking. And uh, uh, 
you know, again, talent like that, uh, thank God, is preserved on film someplace so that we can we can admire it and, and learn from it. But he was a really strong guy. As for arm wrestling, you know, I mean, I I, I could. I could arm wrestle my dog and make it look like he was a good, a good, a good, you know, opponent to me. You know, that's all just baloney that you make your veins stand up. You've done, listen, you've done it in the state on the, on the, in the, in the ring. You've gone off. Oh, oh, I'm so hurt. Oh, I'm so hurt. And then somebody really hurts you. And then you go, you know what? I really am hurt. You know? uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm going to be doing it again on the 27th. I already told my my friends that if they bring their kids to make sure that they know that it's not real because I'm coming in as a heel. You guys are you guys. You're going to be wonderful. You're just going to be great. You know, you are You're going to be terrific. I hope so. I, I, I have uh, I have I have permission to come up to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, to train for a few days with one of the best trainers in the country. So I'm going to I'm going to go do that. Good for you. Good for you. So, That's wonderful. What a blessing. That's a great thing. That's a yeah. gift. What a gift. Um, so we were supposed to talk to Stacy Keach last week as as well as you, but with the the strike that's going on, um, that didn't happen. And I, I do want to get into talking about the strike if we can in a little bit. Um, but I was reading Stacy's book and or not I, I say reading, but I was I was listening to it. I listened to audio books. But he was talking about how he he had done a bunch of smaller movie roles and then uh he was really worried about taking the Mike Hammer show that he did because back then in the 80s that wasn't something that movie actors did they they, they didn't go from movies to TV um uh, but you did the very same thing with the beastmaster was first and then V correct mhm mm-hmm, yeah did that did, did you take any notice to that as to affecting your career at all in any way like did did people not look at you for bigger movie roles because you took the the tv series no that's not a that's not a i I don't think that's any kind of a a barrier anymore it was in the past it it, it was in the past i I, unquestionably but no the the uh the success and the following that uh the success is sometimes that sometimes attend success. Those are the are the aspects that that uh, that determine whether or not you're going to be cast in one show or another. I do want to say, uh, uh, by the way, as a kind of um, uh, a, a leavening feature to this conversation we're having, uh, I I consider this more uh, of a I consider this completely as as interview based as opposed to entertainment based. Uh, and, uh, uh, and as such, uh, I want to also take a moment to make sure that I state that I'm a union man. I've been a union man all my life. My parents were union people. I will always be a union man. It's the unions that have given us the five day work week. It's the unions that have given us child labor laws that protect our children from, uh, from slavery. It's the union that bought this house that I'm sitting in and pays uh, uh, substantial amounts on my health insurance and the health insurance of, of, uh, of millions of people across the nation. And, uh, and so, uh, so the, the unfeeling uh, um, inequity of, uh, of compensation uh, and the way it has been uh, 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 terribly mishandled uh, in in uh, in the years since cable 
and uh, VCR, uh, and uh, and now the internet has uh, uh, has made its uh, impact upon the industry uh, is uh, is unconscionable, and and it should be rectified. Uh, and I think that what the current mood is uh, from if I, and this is just a, my all of this is just my personal opinion. I speak for nobody but myself. But I think the the, the mood that I speak, that I sense uh, among the membership, the union membership, is a pox on both your houses. Uh, where has this been uh, all these decades? We need this now. So that's it. We had talked a little bit about the strike last week when we came back from our break. I don't really know what's going on. The only thing that I really know, and I, I said this last week, is I had heard one thing is that when, like, let's say if you would get signed on to a movie and you sign a contract, that there's somewhere possibly in that contract that they can then use your likeness for the rest of of days. Is that is that, am I anywhere close to that? God help them. Uh, I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so that's just such a shocking lack of taste. I can't imagine, but, uh, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's, that is, uh, that, that captures a lot of attention for the, for what is going forward, but for the bedrock of our, uh, performing experience in the, in the here and now, um, uh, the thing that captures, I think the, uh, uh the, I think two, it's it's one of the two things that captures uh, the most energy uh, and attention. <clears throat> the first being residuals and pay, and the second being, as you say, the uh, advent of AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember I had talked to you about the streaming stuff, like how how that works with you. Like, there's all these different streaming things. You know, you go on to Tubi or, or Netflix, wherever you search for Mark Singer. All you know, every movie that you've ever been in that is available to people comes up. I had asked you, you know, how how that benefits you, and you said we bend over and grab our ankles. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what. So, like you, like the streaming stuff. You don't have it. You don't have a picture of me doing that, do you? <laughs> no, I... the streaming stuff. Like uh, we had talked to uh, Scott Schwartz. He was in a Christmas story. Uh, I know. I think he gets. That's on at Christmas time every year, twenty four hours a day. I think he might make like twenty five cents for that for that day, you know, for the entire day that that's that that movie is playing twenty four hours. So, is that what they're trying to rectify these these the residuals and, and like from the streaming services things like that? You bet. Oh, you bet. Oh, absolutely. You bet. That's exactly it. Yeah, the uh, the. Uh, um, uh, my I, my brother came to visit me once uh, years ago, and we were <clears throat> sitting in the other room, and uh, the mail had come, and I waved an envelope, and I said, "This is why I'm an actor. I'm not even working, and they're sending me money." I said, and I opened the letter and took out my check, eleven cents. Look at that. There you go. See that? And uh, uh, that's shockingly distressing. If you look there, I saw once uh, it's out there somewhere, a documentary on uh, in a black in black and white 1950s and 60s kind of style, uh, grainy, obviously shot on film. And the narration was in Hollywood, you see the effects of a vibrant uh, performing performance community. 
the the directors, the actors, their children uh, playing in the well-appointed school playgrounds. And there were all these idyllic shots of, uh, of in fact, well-dressed, well-fed children uh, uh, playing in, uh, you know, in the cleanly, in the freshly mown, on the freshly mown lawns of great playing fields and so forth and so forth and so forth. And it, and it, and the narration said, this is all made possible by the, by the, you know, adequate, I forget how they phrased it, uh, remuneration for their, for their talents that they receive, that their parents receive, blah, 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 blah. So in other words, there was at one time a vibrant middle-class community that could do the things that we hear people say about the old days, uh, provide for their families, send their kids through college and do everything that on a working person's salary. And all that seems to have gone by the way. Uh, and, and in the acting community, we feel that no less than anybody else. Your passion, every time I talk to you, it's Shakespeare. You, you're a Shakespearean actor. If you could have made a living being a theater actor, would you have ever moved into the filmic world the holiday yeah the cinematic I, world i i think probably so i think i probably would anyway i think i would have been i think i would ha- in a in a perfect world i would have been uh happier to again you're you're talking about past not present although i believe much of this still exists uh the theater is generally a place of impoverishment uh for most of its players uh and um the wearing away uh, that the that uh, the theatrical life uh, uh, imposes on uh, on on the on the body and and the mind and the and the soul uh, is uh, is uh, was was is hard to sustain. You only get one shot at it. You get four. You get three or four weeks of rehearsal, and however everybody comes together is what the result is. You can't re-edit it. You can't go shoot another scene. You can't fix anything that needs fixing. Whatever you've got, that's what it is. And the ratio of justifiably nominated success uh, in that venue is sometimes more than the effort, or seemed to me sometimes more than the effort uh, that went into its uh, scarce return, as opposed to the kind of uh, humdrum and unsatisfying productions that that uh, that we turned out i know that's a wildly egocentric uh claim to make uh, it puts me in the position of being the one who knows better than everybody else uh but i can only report uh, the experiences that i had and uh and when you're talking about shakespeare especially that takes a degree of uh training and uh understanding and dedication that uh i think requires a greater and broader educational base than is available uh, to most performers. Wow. I'll go to hell for saying that. Go ahead. Go back to the, the theater versus the cinematic. God, you know, you come on with all this nice, you know, pose of what a gentle guy you are and the kind and so forth. And you, and you, you, you know how to pick the question that exposes the rawest soul <laughs> of your interviewee, at least when I'm uh, at least when I'm the subject anyway, go ahead. God. Like when I'll, you have, when you I'll have, be, I'll be flipping like a griddle cake tonight when, when I should be asleep. Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. When you have an on night, like on, on stage. Yeah. 
when you're when when you come off stage after the performance and and yeah. everyone is like that was that was the night this was this was the one mm-hmm. does it not don't you think like i wish more people could see that if it was filmed yeah yeah that's that's the that's the greatest impetus for getting off the stage what you what you don't what one doesn't realize in one's naivete is that the odds are just as great in this venue as they are in the others. There are just more chances, however, to fix what can be fixed, uh, depending on the creativity of the people who see the project in the way that you hope that they do or that they would. Uh, On the stage, by the way, I just want to say one other thing uh, based on your premise. In a good production on stage, every night is the night. Every night is, yes, yes. Every night is that. And not only is every night yes, but in every good production, every night should be better than the last. So that the opening night is wonderful, but the closing night is sets the world on fire. And that's that's the that's the standard uh, of of good acting and good uh, and, and a good company uh, doing the right kind of work. So, so to me, it's not that you do a play where one night is really the great night. And if you could just remember Wednesday, April the 23rd, uh-uh. it's every night is better than the night before. And we just go out there and kill them. And that's and that's that's the bottom line. You know, it's the same on uh, in the ring. In the ring, you go out and you say to yourself, I've got the right troop. I've got the right role. I've got the right people around me playing the right roles themselves. We're going to get out there. and We're going to murder these people. They're going to go nuts. And that was 20 and, years ago, Mark. You you realize the last time I wrestled was 21 years ago. You're going to do great. You listen, a standard is a standard. You know what I mean? It's just and, like riding uh, a bike, right? Yeah, they, I, they, you know, they, it's, it's, you don't have a choice. It's an imperative. All you have to do is meet you to know that. Uh, we, I, if, if anybody's seeing this interview or any other interview that you've ever uh, 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 you or, or Ray has ever has, has ever uh, led. Uh, if they can't tell that, then they're just not paying attention. Yeah. yeah it, Thank it's you, man. Just like, it's just yeah. like riding a bike, Casey. Except now it's going to feel a lot smaller, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to hurt a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're going to be exhilarated by the whole thing. I'm I'm already excited for you. Yeah, and it'll be on. Uh, I already told Ray it'll be on video, so we'll we'll come on here and do a, a we'll talk about it and all that after it's all done. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk a little Shakespeare here. So I, I have a, a bunch of these fan questions, but I I wish I don't I didn't write their names down as to where they came from. What do you think is the most common general mistake people make when acting a character uh, during Shakespeare? Because you, you you're We've talked about this before. You're writing a book on how to act Shakespeare. I've written that. I'm I'm working on different aspects of it. Uh, I'm working on a, an essay about how correctly to play uh, Lady Macbeth. I, I I played Macbeth myself about four years ago, five years ago, 2018, 19, something like that. Um, boy, time passes quickly. The most common... <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to get up and act this one out <laughs> it's, because it's acting. That's see, see, that's what it is. It's acting. You can't describe pro wrestling. You have to, you have to show pro wrestling. Pro wrestling has to speak for itself. And that's something that all the scholarship in the world can't do for pro wrestling. 
It's just like all the scholarship in the world can't do that for acting. Acting has to do it for itself. Acting is the point of what we're doing. Pro wrestling is the point of getting all the lights and the the ring set up and the and selling the tickets and getting all the production and the other players together and all that sort of stuff. The point is when it's when you're in the ring. That's what it's about. And that's what acting's about. So I would I would say the thing that the first marker uh, to that tells you you're off on the wrong foot <laughs> and in a company that's in the wrong foot is when people do that kind of declamatory acting wherein they say wherein they move and 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 speak like crazy people where they where they go like this where they say well it's shakespeare so it's got to be let me see if i can think of some lines here just for a second uh, and I, if you're catching me flat-footed okay this is ulysses talking in troilus and cressida about how rank military rank social degree has to be observed and if it doesn't if we don't observe social the social rankings and respect the social positions of each of us that things fall apart so he says uh oh so he says in other words he says when degree is shaped which is the ladder to all high design the enterprise is sick how could communities degrees in schools brotherhoods and cities peaceful commerce from dividable shores the primogenitive and due of birth crowns royals scepters uh, obtain except by degree take but degree away untune that string and everything meets in mere repugnancy right so he says that see well that sounds like a guy actually talking did you understand any of that yeah everything goes to shit if we don't follow what we're supposed to do what's simpler than that shakespeare just has a better vocabulary and can say it and can say <laughs> it in a way that 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 rivets itself to your brain right okay so when you're in a company that's doing this each thing meets in mere repugnancy. The bounded waters should lift their bosoms higher than their shores and make a sop of all this solid globe. <laughs> when you're in a company where people are saying that, you have to say to yourself, if somebody talked to me like that in my house, I'd call, I'd like, I'd call an ambulance. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd say, what, what is going on here? You know? And so what you want to avoid is that mistake first and foremost. And you want to really do as close as you can. You want to speak like a regular human being. To be or not to be, that is a question. Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them to die, to sleep. No more. And by asleep to say we in the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished to die, to sleep, to sleep. Perchance to dream, ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's a respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get it? I mean, you, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, you, you, you. To be or not to be, that is the experiment. <laughs> when did that start becoming a thing? Like, why did people start doing it like that? My, I don't know. I'm not a historian. I'm not a scholar. I'm an actor. Uh, all I can say is it's my impression that it started uh, the day after Shakespeare died. It's just, it's just that simple. I mean, before Shakespeare was dead, you had Shakespeare sitting in the front row. You could say, well, what does this mean? And the guy could say, no, 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 like this. 
and he could tell you what it was. That doesn't mean that. It means this. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, don't say it that way. Say it this way. Oh, okay. Yeah. But once he died, everybody was, you know, it got wilder and wilder and crazier and crazier and bigger and broader and less believable. So have you ever heard this? Going back to the Stacy Keach book, he's he Stacy Keach is a huge you guys should get together. He's a huge Shakespearean actor. Um, I have great respect for his work. I think he's terrific. But he he talked about um and he he completely doesn't believe it at all. But and I had never heard this before and I haven't really looked into it much on my own, but have you ever heard that people think that Shakespeare might have been more than one person? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard every. Uh, I'm, I'm a. I've always listen. It has to be one person. It's all one person's thoughts. It's all one person's cogitations. It's his. It's his brilliance uh, that is as startling as Einstein's. You know, do you ever think that Einstein, with all that, with that incredible theory, do you think it could have been a bunch of people? No, it's one guy. It's Einstein. He's the guy who put all that together. You know. And uh, uh, how about uh, how about Tobias? How about Tobias Smollett? This book is this book is printed in 1797. It still has those. It's falling apart. It has those S's in it that look like F's. Right. And when you read this, it's like a time machine. You're like there. You're like in <laughs> 1797. You're like, oh, my God, look at this. And it and it kind of ruins you for texts. In modern print, you know, they just they just sort of look flat after you read something like that. Um, but uh, uh, no, Shakespeare was obviously one guy. There's just no question about that. And I um, I I resist uh, to the point of resentment, uh, which is what all Shakespeareans do in one way or another. That makes me no different. But I re- I resist uh, to the point of resent resentment, the idea that anybody else but Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. That's to rob his memory of its greatness. And, uh, and there, there are too many markers in there that that talk about the personality. And there's there's too many historical references that clearly indicate that he was the guy that wrote these plays. I'm a conspiracy guy, man. So I had to bring I had to bring it up. <laughs> which play, which I guess Shakespeare play does not get as much credit credit as it deserves. Troilus and Cressida. Troilus and Cressida is a great play. Oh, see, you would be perfect in the cast of Troilus and Cressida because Troilus and Cressida demands giants to play it. They, they Giants in stature, giants in intellect, giants in spirit. It's, it's a play full of giants, male and female. And uh, I think no other play in Shakespeare requires this magnificence of personality this this wholly integrated magnificence of personality that's what sets the the wrestling ring on fire and shakespeare does it in troilus and he does it in every play but he does it in troilus and cressida across the board uh, it's his most complex erudite and yet eminently understandable writing uh eminently uh, eminently, eminently, eminently understandable writing writing and it is uh uh it's just a an amazing play uh, and anybody who uh, lives through the experience of Achilles murdering Hector 
at the end uh, will be <laughs> scarred for life. <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful movie. It's a wonderful play. And why do you think that it doesn't get the attention that it deserves? It's too hard. Nobody understands it. The the, the basic idea, the basic, the basic, uh, the basic uh, uh, injury to Shakespeare, which has been uh, capitalized and and, uh, uh, multiplied through the industries is uh, through the ages, excuse me, is just ignorance. People just don't understand the plays. They don't understand what is on the plate before them. They literally do not understand the play. They don't understand the Merchant of Venice. They don't understand Othello. I'm talking in the broad scope of things. I'm not talking about everybody doesn't understand sure. it. But the majority of people in the, in the profession don't understand prof- the point of Othello, don't understand the point of the Merchant of Venice, don't understand uh, uh, Troilus Cressida, don't understand. They just plain Macbeth. They just plain don't understand what the play's about. They can tell you what happens in the play, but they can't tell you what the play's about. So, so how do you feel about like when they take like Romeo and Juliet and they turn it into like street gangs with guns and stuff like they did? What was that? 96 ish or something. Or- I think that, I think that any play of Shakespeare's, it's, it's a, it's a great question. It's a great question. And it's one that we, it's one that, that should be, should be uh, uh, asked again and again and reexamined. I think you can play Shakespeare in anything you want to play him in. You can play him in anything you want, but you've got to play Shakespeare. You can't play the metaphor. Just because you understand that Macbeth could be set in outer space because things sort of make sense to you. Richard II kind of makes sense to you that way. Okay, so you set it, let's say, in outer space. You can't play the metaphor. You can't twist things around. It has to be Richard II. Uh, so it doesn't matter to me if you were a bunch of, I don't know, fishermen in Portugal that decided to get together, uh, on an Island and, and put on a Shakespearean play. And all you had were your daily working clothes. Well, be my guest, just play Shakespeare. Sure. I did. I did. I, I directed and played, uh, uh, the lead, uh, the co-lead Oberon in uh, a Midsummer Night's Dream. And we, we set that in the early 20th century, 1910 to 1920, let's say. But we played Shakespeare. We only used those kind of wardrobes and that kind of mannerism because, quite frankly, I just, uh, as the director, that's how it made the most sense to me. And I didn't think that everybody running around in a bunch of togas uh, would be... Uh, I didn't think that they would, that that wouldn't distance the play from the audience rather than making the play more understandable. But nonetheless, we didn't play any metaphor of the play. Oh, it's like a thing. Uh Uh-uh. We played the play. Yeah. So it's a great question. And and, and it's one that every theater has to confront sooner or later because of economics and and also because, again, of the ability of its actors to either understand or, or fail to understand or have the experience of playing Shakespeare. So yeah, it's a great question. You bet. Uh, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, the mid, what, what's a, a mid, <clears throat> help me out. Easy. A mid easy. This is just too early in the evening. I just say, just wait, you can have a drink later. Just take it easy. 
Everything will be okay. It'll all work out. You're going to wrestle. It's going to be good. You can enjoy yourself. The play that you were in, that you directed. Yeah. A Midsummer's. Midsummer Night's Dream. A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I had recently read a review about that and it ties into exactly what we're talking about. The reviewer wrote that you played it. I guess that you played it the way that you feel that the play that like kind of the way that you were just explaining to us, they didn't see it the way that they were always taught to see it before. So they saw it a different way, the way that you, the way that you did it. So how do you explain? Excuse me. Not, not, not just the way I did it, the way Shakespeare intended. Right. The way that it should be. So how do you explain to people then that, look, this is the way that it's supposed to be. Well, you have to you have to have a uh, you have to have a public forum, uh, and uh, and you have to persuade people no less than uh, no less than Einstein uh, had to persuade people that he had a, a theorem that they better pay attention to. Uh, it's uh, it's distressing in the extreme to see the degradation of the world's greatest playwright and. Arguably, it's most influential, the, the most influential sectarian figure in all of history. The way we dress, the way we speak to each other right now, all of the things we say and do and the mannerisms that we recognize as our general humanity throughout the globe. The fact that most people wear suits, English suits with ties and, and the jacket and the ladies in the form of, of, the, of the gowns and dresses that they wear when they wear those, that all comes from Shakespeare. Even the way we speak, the way we recognize our psychologies, the way we express our personal psyches, that's all from Shakespeare. He codified all that. That guy codified that in 37 plays. So, I mean, to, 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 to see that eroded and, and this erosion perpetuated is very distressing. Oberon, who is who is the the co lead with his wife Titania, in the in a Midsummer Night's Dream, is usually played as a kind of a, a robust kind of late forty ish, early 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 fifty ish kind of guy, you know, <laughs> you know, ah, big old Errol Flynn older guy, you see, and his wife is this fairy princess who's running around doing this. The story is about the passage of time. The story is about yielding up to the younger generations. Oberon is old and he can't, she won't, his wife wants to stay young. She won't give up the changeling child and she herself won't change into the old lady that she's going to be if she just says, okay, and he's old already and he's irascible and he can't get her to understand. Ill met by moonlight, proud Titania. You know, he's old. And at the end of the play, they help each other off the stage. He's not some (laughs) guy. Otherwise, the play makes no sense. In the play, they say quite clearly, 
the moon is stuck up in the sky. It won't change. The seasons won't change. Nothing will change. Why won't it change? Because she, who's the queen of the fairies, won't give up her place. We all have to give up our place. If we don't, nothing will change. There will be no room for the succeeding generations. It's a very moving and extremely funny play. Other than writing writing the book, How to, How to Act Shakespeare, which hopefully will get out soon, that um, we, we, have you ever have you ever considered or you know putting yourself out there and trying to get a, a gig as a to teach Shakespeare anywhere? I haven't. I, I I did in fact at a small theater here close to the house where we visited you and I, uh, uh, close to the and where hope, I hope one day Ray you and I might uh, might share a quaff or two. Um, uh, they. Um, uh, there was a, a little theater that I got associated with and for which I wrote a couple of plays. I even sent you a copy of one of the plays, uh, 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 Casey. And I, and I, uh, I did teach uh, a Shakespeare uh, symposium there for mm, probably about six months or so. And it was very successful, uh, and I was very gratified by it. But then I had to, I had to cut it off to go do the directing and the, the playing of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Shakespeareans of every stripe... Uh, are characterized. They, they share a, a characteristic in common. Uh, and they maybe share it with everybody on earth who's ever even heard the name of Shakespeare. Everybody believes that they own Shakespeare. Everybody believes they own Shakespeare. There's a, there's a neighbor of mine, lives two doors up, Case. Um, he knows nothing about Shakespeare. Admits that he knows nothing about Shakespeare. You know what he argued with me once about? Shakespeare. You got it. <laughs> And so the the idea that somebody wants Mark Singer to come waltzing in wearing a big, you know, Irish sash that says, I know Shakespeare and I'm going to teach some Shakespeare the way it should be taught. <laughs> you know, dream on, you know, so. Well, have you had it like, obviously, you've had conversations with people about that i have I, excuse, I just want to say also no i have actually been uh, a guest lecturer at universities uh, uh florida state university indiana university and uh i can't remember a couple more but but you know but those are just you know momentary kind of drop-in visits and give what information you can and hightail it out of there yeah sure have yeah. you have you had any other you know shakespeareans Give you pushback on this, that this isn't the way it should be. There are two the Shakespearean. Geez, I don't know who would be interested in this conversation. I I'm fascinated by it. I'm willing to I'm willing to go as long as it'll go. But but um, the the application of know, the approach to Shakespeare, the uh, the the approach to Shakespeare is divided into two main sections scholarship and performance okay performers are notoriously bad researchers sorry to say it it's a lazy profession generally speaking it's a willful lazy hard working because the demands are just nerve-wracking and hard working but generally intellectually lazy uh, profession scholarship on the other hand is dedicated uh, hardworking, 
singular in its focus, intense in its dedication, but it's not actors. And so it's like what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. Nobody can understand wrestling who doesn't get in that ring because that's what wrestling is. And nobody can understand acting who doesn't get on the stage and do it professionally where dollars change hands and people have expectations. Nobody understands it like actors. Unfortunately, actors themselves in the main don't understand it. So it's a matter of education. It's just a matter of education. And, and the thing that's, that's so extraordinarily frustrating about it, uh, <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook, <laughs> the, thing that's, uh, the thing that's so extraordinarily uh, uh, frustrating about it is that the players if they understand production companies, if they understood him correctly and performed him correctly, could set the world on fire. And, and yet they are bluntly intimidated or blinkeredly not seeing unheeding, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> actors, I'm not, making, I'm not making any friends. Go ahead. <laughs> now you say you, talking about actors being a lazy profession it's that it's not that's not at all because i mean i we've been i had the month off excuse me i modified that to say intellectually lazy okay (laughs) yeah because it's not it's not not a profession for sissies no like watching some of the stuff that you've done and uh we 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 just uh binge watched uh the terminal list with chris pratt he was a navy seal in that i mean some of the stuff that actors go through to get the scenes and shots that they need to film or it's it's some of the stuff is pretty intense and it's it's hard work i I mean i was only on a set for one day ever in the jason costume and my thing was i had to uh, go like this throw an axe at a dude and then they panned the camera across and then i had to go over and i had to yank the axe out of his head well (laughs) the axe really wasn't in his head a a person was laying on the floor holding the axe against his head and then i had to act like i was pulling it out of his head and like it took you know six seven shots and and like the guy finally comes to me and he's like haven't you ever pulled a fucking axe out of a stump of wood i was like yeah, in real life, I've never acted before. Like, I've never had to do it fake before, you know? Well, it's not easy. No, it's I, 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 that's what I said. I don't I don't by any means mean to impugn uh, the integrity of actors, uh, uh, except I will say when it comes to Shakespeare, uh, who is the root of all acting, all modern acting. Uh, um, and uh, uh, this is the the information is available uh and there must be i can't be the only guy who understands what i understand i'm not making that ridiculous claim uh the it, it astonishes me it astonishes me i mean if you were going to train to if you were going to be a boxer if you're going to be a professional boxer for example what you, are you in the ring you're going to make every effort to research the history of your profession and, and the, and, and, and try to know everything you can know about what its purpose is, what its value is. 
and where that value lies. Otherwise, what are we but, you know, performing seals, right? We're not. Yeah. We're, there, we're there for a purpose. We have a message. And, and, and you, you work with people sometimes who don't have a message or whose message is, you know, for want of a better phrase, not as high-minded as you wish that it would be. And I think this is, unfortunately, the actors, I think, are, are, are so poorly trained. This has to do more with their training than it does with them. But they don't realize that there's another level to it, you know. It's really like that in any field, honestly. Like, I'm a roofer, you know. It's like going back 15, 20 years ago, I remember, and I, they used to call my boss the Nazi, and they called me Nazi Junior. We, like, I used to scream at these guys because I I wanted the job done right, you know, and they weren't, they just weren't performing the job correctly. And it's like, look, just do it right. You know what I mean? I, this is the way that it's supposed to be done. I don't understand like why you just can't get it right. You know? it, it, yeah. See, it's it. it and, and again, it's, it's, it, it has to do with, uh, with training. It has to start with training. Right. They're already, they're already on the job. So what are you going to tell them? They're going to say, you can't tell me I'm on the job. Right. I'm doing it. You know, how, how do you feel about um, celebrities uh, uh, like Lizzo who go on a show like The Mandalorian? And she was not very good at that. She was she's not an actor. Like, how how does that make other actors feel when you see somebody do something like that? And you're like, yeah, that's one is I don't think it's fair to her. And two, I don't think it's good for the show. I, I don't you know, I, I was uh, I'm a little protected in this in my answer in the fact that I. Uh, I, I uh, got distracted and reached for something just as you were naming somebody uh, by name. Uh, and so I, I can't make any personal uh, uh, judgments about anybody doing anything. I can, I can only tell you uh, that there's, um, you know, there's room for everybody. God bless them. You know, that's, that's, that's all I can tell you about that. And that, uh, that the responsibility for suiting the, uh, the person to the need uh, is the job of the producer and the, and the director and uh, everybody else uh, has to accommodate whatever that need is and has to put their best foot forward. That's life. That's the way we, that's the way we have to do it. I've been in, I've been uh, uh, in enough shows that, uh, that <laughs> while I was enacting the part, I thought, boy, if they miscast this uh, and uh, <laughs> And and so uh, uh, so I'm sympathetic to uh, to people who are uh, 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 segregated by by the uh, by by people who say uh, that they should or shouldn't be uh, uh, wherever they are. I don't, I don't know what to I don't know what more to say about that. I'm very self-conscious about uh, about the, the tenderness of our souls. And I think the older I get and the more uh, I'm exposed uh, uh, to. Uh, the, the, the airy bubble evanescence of what it is to be a performer, uh, the more sympathetic I am to almost everybody. I, where I, where I draw the line, uh, where I, where I, where I find myself most, uh, emotionally affected is in the, is in the general aspect of, 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 uh, of, of education, public education of all of the public, all of us. 
you know, at all times. Yeah. Let's educate people more, a little bit more about Shakespeare here. I have a couple more Shakespeare questions for you. Go ahead. And I, I really wish I had the fan that asked these. I completely forgot to write their the, name down. I see, the, I see the popularity needle just dipping. Oh, ah. That's not true, man. I, people want to know what you have to say. That, uh, I, I believe got, that's true. I went for before, the I went for before we got started here, you were asking me about how, how our numbers were. We took the month off, uh, yeah. but I still check the numbers all the time. And in our uh, most watched things for the month of July while we were gone, it, it was all of your episodes. Oh, I appreciate that. People so, couldn't believe it. I know. So uh, I sympathize. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, the uh, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. All right. So, which. Which soliloquy? I, what I was going to say is that I went for the easy joke. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's okay, man. Okay. Which soliloquy in a drama is the most difficult to do well? It depends on your definition of a soliloquy. Um, soliloquies are, generally speaking, easier to perform than the actual speeches uh, within a given scene. Um, uh, soliloquy. Well, maybe I could stop you first because maybe you could explain what a soliloquy is. Maybe I could. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, a soliloquy. A soliloquy is. A soliloquy is when I any. Could, <laughs> I could be like Bill. What? What is a gaffer? <laughs> stop. It's a guy out on the fishing boat that gets the tuna <laughs> and does that with it. Um, a soliloquy is when the Shakespearean character uh, has a thought to him or herself, and there's no one, generally speaking, on the stage but them, and they think out loud uh, so that um, uh, so that Macbeth, uh, thinking about uh, the his intended murder of the king, says, uh, if it were done when tis done, then were well, it were done quickly. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with his surcease success, that but this blow might be the be-all and the end-all here, but here upon this bank and shoal of time, we jump the life to come. But in these cases, we still have judgment here that we but teach bloody instructions, which being taught return to plague the inventor. You know what I mean? They they think to themselves, they think out loud like this, see? Okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, we all do it. I mean, we've all done it. We've all walked around our living room and got, I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, now, honey, I, I, I really think you're misbehaving. And I think I know all the answers, you know, that never goes well. So, uh, um, but we've all done it. Uh, and so that's what a soliloquy is. A speech is when you say to somebody, by the way, I got a thing I want to tell you. And you do that. That's a speech. So I think the soliloquies are easier in Shakespeare uh, because they, um, uh, you, you control all the ab aspects. You don't have to interact with anybody else. You, you get out and you do it and you, and, it, and they, and they make sense. Uh, and, uh, the construct they're, they're, they're all constructed in a similar fashion. So you, once you recognize the construction of how they're constructed, uh, you go, okay, I get this. I put this together with this, with this, with this, with this, and that's the thing. And it should go like that. And then I, I go off the stage. But the speeches are, are can be very complex because they they're trying to communicate with other people and really the audience. That's the sneaky part. 
I pretend that I'm talking to this person over here, but really it's them that we're after. And when I say it's them that we're after, that's because this is all just a, uh, this is a subterfuge. This is a guise. This is a trick that we're playing on them. We're trying to affect them. They think we're talking to each other. Whenever a scene goes really well, you asked me about this a little earlier about, you know, do you ever have those moments where you come off and say, yeah, tonight was the night. Well, sir, certainly there are, there are extraordinary nights, even in an extraordinary run. But, uh, what actors really feel when they, when they do a, a, a great scene together and she's crying uh, and he's tearing his heart out and the two of them finish, even while they're doing it, you know what they're really thinking? I got this. I got this. Because they know what they're doing. And they're, they're winding it up and they can, can we go another level? Can we go another level? Look at this. We're doing it, baby. We're doing it. And the other one is doing the same thing. We got it, baby. We got it. We got it. We got it. And we blow the lid off the thing and then get off stage and go, damn. I was saying, yeah, far out. Let's do that again tomorrow night. Let's remember how we did that. You know? So um, uh, I forget what the question was. Uh, maybe there wasn't one. I forget. What was it? Uh, which, which soliloquy? Oh, which soliloquy is Right. Yeah. And a drama is most difficult to do well. So the harder things are the are the speeches where you where you say um uh do do, do soliloquies tend to be shorter than the, the speeches? No, no, soliloquies can be very long, isn't it? There's the speeches can be longer, soliloquies can be longer. Uh there's they're 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 generally you know, it just depends on what the structure of the scene is. Um uh you know, like a, uh, Cassius in Julius Caesar says, uh, I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men may think, but for my single self, I'd as lief not be as lift to stand in awe of such a thing as I myself. I was born as free as Caesar. So were you. We both have fed as well as he. And we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he for once upon a raw and gusty day. The troubled Tiber chafing with her shores. Caesar said to me, darest thou Cassius now leap in with me into this angry flood and swim to yonder point upon the word accoutred as I was. I plunge it in and bade him follow. That's a speech. That's not a soliloquy. And, okay. if, and if you'll notice, the more you hear me talk to you and, and to Ray about about shakespeare and demonstrate him through example the more you realize that's just good old playwriting there ain't nothing special about that 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 sounded like a guy that i that i have seen before or not or an attitude that i hey knock it off we're talking shakespeare <laughs> oh, you know that's my dog my dog was on stage with me once he played Thank the dog too. He played the dog. Minkerton played the dog in, uh, and I was the, uh, I was old Gabo. I was Lancelot Gabo. And I came in and said, hey, Minkerton, hey, come here. Come here. He played my dog, Crab. And I said, I think my And we did an entire scene together like that with him snapping at my heels and chasing me around the stage. Mickerton's a good dog. He stole the show. He was very good. <laughs> do you have a do you have a couple minutes yet? Do I have what? 
Do you have a couple minutes yet? Yeah. All right. A couple more Shakespeare here, and then uh, we have two Beastmaster questions, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Okay. Which character do you personally have the most affinity for? Ulysses and Troilus and Cressida. Bar none. Ulysses and Troilus and Cressida. Although I've reached that uh, age uh, and experience where I could play virtually every male character in Shakespeare. Um, but uh, um, some of them I've just, by age, outgrown. You know, I just can't. I, you don't want to see some doddering old fool playing Romeo. Go ahead. You're not a, come on, man. All right. Yeah, I'm not yeah, old. He, so that's, he, that's, he, didn't, he didn't say I wasn't a doddering old fool. <laughs> See, he said you're not that old. You are, yeah. you are, however, kind of out there. Go ahead, go ahead. But that's the thing with Shakespeare, though. Yeah. And acting, right? That's you right. don't. It doesn't have to be. You can be. Yeah. You could be <laughs> Bark Singer at 74 years old playing a younger character, or Look or a young, me. or like they. There's high school as, kids playing as as witness Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> As Rick, witness Ric Flair. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, I mean, don't say you can't do it. You can do it. Okay. I will then. <laughs> so this, this Troilus and Crescent. So have you ever thought about trying to, to do a theater company with that? Nobody. I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, um, Yes, I have. The short answer is yes, I have. Do I think it's possible? No, I don't. And that's that's all obvious. That's kind of the long and the short of it. Is that okay. uh, first of all, I'm all theater companies fear it, and they fear it because they don't understand it. And when if they did understand it, they, I mean, the idea of casting it would be like it would be the equivalent of assembling a wrestling company that was as brilliant uh, as the WWF was uh, in the days of uh, the rock and stone cold and uh, uh, Stephen William Regal and, <laughs> uh, and those people. Yet you just, the, the idea of getting that kind of troop together is just hard to imagine. Yeah. Well, that's a shame, man. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I, talking to you, like I and know, there, there I are know. millions. There are there are tens of millions of actors, hundreds maybe of millions of actors spread across the globe. Wouldn't it be nice if enough? If it was the general state of acting that everybody understood it, Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there anything though, really, that anyone truly across the board understands like that? Like everyone, everyone always questions something, right? Like I'm a conspiracy guy. I always question everything, right? Uh, so there's always going to be. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the nature of individual cre uh, creativity is that somebody says, oh, I think she should be crying here. And somebody else says, no, I think she should be angry and throw a dish against the wall. I mean, you know, what that's, that's, that's to be expected and, and, and even accommodated. Because who's to say when when tears come, and who's to say when when uh, when plates are thrown against the wall, you know? So that's it, it's not a question of that. It's a it's a question of understanding the uh, the the broad sweep of the plays and the spe specific the specifics uh, within the the scenes themselves, you know. So you may we may do uh, we, the, the each of the three of us who are here in this little convocation might do the same scene. 
with the same emotional contents in it, but simply rearranged in a different order. But those emotional and intellectual contents have to be in the scene because they were written in the scene. So who's to say that you wouldn't do this at this time and that at that time, and Ray would do, no, he would do that at this time and this at that time, and I might do a completely different combination, but all the things would be appropriately delivered within the context of the scene and what it meant, and the character too. Yeah. All I know, man, is Shakespeare is so much more interesting when it comes from your mouth. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I've I've heard people talk about Shakespeare before, and it's it's never as interesting as when I talk to you about it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, and I and I I also despair, but I appreciate it. I, I do. Yeah. All right. I have one more Shakespeare question here. Okay. Which antagonist do you think? Which antagonist do you think is the most sympathetic? Uh, I would have to say uh, um, it, it depends on on the definition of an antagonist. Um, I would say the most simp- the one that I have the most sympathy with. I'm just talking off the top of my head. I'd have to really think about it and, and go. I mean, the list is is enormous of characters in in Shakespeare's plays, but I guess it would be uh, Paroles uh, in. Um, I'll go to hell for not being able to remember the title. See, I'm 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 a I'm I'm expert in in how to parse Shakespeare and how to get it how to get it right on the stage. That doesn't mean I can remember which play goes under which title all the time, yeah. uh, which is not uncommon. But uh, there's a character named Paroles, and he is a scoundrel, and he's a a thoroughgoing scoundrel and an opportunist from the beginning of the play till just about the end of the play when he's discovered and he deals with it. He says, I won't be like this anymore. He says, I'm going to recognize the smallness of myself and I'm going to not pretend to be other things than what I am, which is just this. And that's that you, you got to go. You got to go with a guy who will make an admission like that. Cause that's the point at which lives turn around. Ray, did I ever tell you the uh, the time where Mark made me act with him at his, in his living room? And it was the most, it was the scariest thing in my life. What did you, what did we do? I can't remember. I do remember that we did this. What did we do? What did Some we kind do? of Shakespeare something. And I was put on the spot and so nervous acting with the Beastmaster. <laughs> oh my God. You don't care. Ray, he does not care if I never sleep again. It's just really, it's it just it, the cruelty, the cruelty of the man. I have a new sympathy and respect for you, Ray, than I've ever had before. So well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Brother. But yeah, yeah. he says you scared him. Although, although it was the uh, most nerve wracking thing. I don't think, no, there's not too many other of my friends that can say they uh, acted Shakespeare with the Beastmaster. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay all right so all now right. was that the rest of the shit was that all the shakespeare yeah that was a, that was all the shakespeare that i had uh one last question okay um about this is a fan question kenny carlin uh i guess this is was charles uh duncan regeer was he, well, was he in the beastmaster duncan regeer yeah 
Oh, no, Duncan Regeer was in a television series called V. Oh, oh okay. He was in V. Okay. Yeah. He He's says, I, I wish you had more scenes with Duncan Regeer. One of my favorite scenes from the original series was the fight with Charles. Did you have fun? And was it choreographed? Duncan, you know, you, you work with so many different people in this industry over the course of years. And uh, the your your emotional connection with them and your response to them varies just as it would in, as it does in all things in life with all the people that you meet. Um, but Duncan, uh, Duncan's one of my favorite, favorite guys to share the stage and share the screen with. He's a, such a such a, a, a kind hearted spirit, such a good man, such a such a gentle and good man. I really enjoyed being with him. And he was uh, unpretentious and. Um, uh, uh, just easy to get along with here. I'd been doing the, the, the series for maybe two or three years by then, two or three seasons by then. So obviously I swung myself with great authority about the set. And here he came as a, as a, uh, a new addition to the, to the cast and the storyline. And, uh, and man, he was a pleasure to work with. And, and that fight, that particular fight, if it's the one that I, that I think that I'm thinking of, uh, that the person's referring to. Uh, that was one in which I, I took a major hand in the choreography because by that time, the, the stunt people uh, were, I think it may have been the last show of the season two now that I think of it, uh, because the, the stunt people were very generous in, at that time in letting me do things. They felt confident that I wouldn't kill myself, but that I could do things that would be uh, characteristic of my, of my of my self as an actor and also of the character that I was playing as it had been established. And uh, and Duncan Regeer, uh, who at that time, I think, was probably, as we all are, less uh, versed in the rough and tumble uh, stunt uh, activities or maybe maybe just the particular kind that we were employing at that time uh, was just so ready to participate and to and to go wherever the flow of the action said we should go. Never complained, never, never said, oh, that hurts, you know, just a great guy. And, and, uh, and we had a lot of fun. I will tell you one thing about that scene. If it's the one that I'm thinking of is that I said, I wanted to do something. And I think you'd appreciate this as a, as a wrestler, because you guys do things that people say, well, he's, he's just obviously trying to kill himself. And that's all, that's all there is to it. And, and, you know, I don't know where that comes from, but you know, goodbye to Casey because he's, he's out to kill himself and that's it. So in this one thing, I, I had them, we were, there was a long counter, uh, like there was a long counter that we were fighting along and got up on top of and so forth and so forth. And he was supposed to be possessed with a more than human strength. And I had them, and I, I hope you appreciate this. The counter runs like this with a wall at its end. I had arranged it. So with the cameras sort of in the position that this camera is here, he picked me up and threw me upside down against that wall at about this height. So I cast myself upside down against the wall and came down it on my head and shoulders and neck, right? And the cast and crew and director and producer were horrified uh, because they were convinced that like you and your profession, uh, that I was out to kill myself. 
and uh, but it was a good effect, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. But Duncan was great to work with. Yeah, yeah, it looked good. It looked good on camera too, man. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, that's so funny you say that about the the wrestling. Going back to the wrestling again, I when I told my friends that that I'm doing this uh, August 27th in uh, Albertus, Pennsylvania. If anyone would like to come see me, um, <laughs> my one friend texted me back. Remember, forty plus, and <laughs> my my other friend sent a GIF of Dolph Lundgren from Rocky Four, I think. Uh, and it's just a, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. You're going to you're going to do great. You're going to do great. 40 is 40 is the 40 is the peak of Mac of that kind of strength. That's 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 you're just getting into you're getting into the stride. You're getting to the, <laughs> you, got, you got you got 10, 15 more years of this. Yeah. I hope so, man. Easy, easy, easy. I hope so. Can I? Can I? I'm, who I'm being owns conser- the? I'm being conservative at that. Yeah, yeah. You, you be great. Who owns the rights to the name the Beastmaster? Do we know? I have no idea. Could <laughs> like if I would if I did you know make a good name for myself this first uh, this first match maybe I could change my gimmick to the Beast and you could co- you could come out as my manager and be the Beastmaster. <laughs> I leave that to you and the lawyers. <laughs> That's a, I know to stay out of that. Yeah. All right. We do one more segment here on the show and it's all because of you, Mark, Mark Singer. You came up with this segment. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what well, is that? Do you remember this day when we were in the park, you and I hanging out and I was showing you videos <laughs> of uh the youtube channel of a strong man uh lifting up big stones on a thing and uh you you were like i said that this generates the most views for our our channel and you said what does this have to do with your podcast and i said nothing but it gives us good views and you said well you need to do something that focuses more on your podcast oh and you said give me a few days to come up with it and i'll get back to you and you, this, you this, is, this is the bane of the of the actor's existence and certainly of every director and every other actor's existence is that all of us, all of us actors say, well, I've got an idea. No, Go but th- this yeah. this you walked away. I watched you actually drive away. Yeah. And then you knocked on my window three minutes later, yeah. scared the shit out of me. And you were like, I got it. It's called what? real questions. So that's what so. That's our new segment because of you. Okay. Real questions. There, it's okay. a thirty. Right, you have 30, 30 seconds to a minute. Oh, yeah. You got you got basically sixty seconds to answer the question, Mark. <sighs> I'll put on my intelligent glasses. Go ahead. Right. There we go. You got your timer there, Casey. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you think that the writer strike has been affected? by how much content there is on things like YouTube that distract people away from it, where they can just watch something else. Uh, I think the, the writer's strike is definitely effective. Uh, it's effective because uh, it galvanizes the public's attention and it also unifies the industry itself. Uh, and the reason that I'm on this podcast now is uh, serves a, a purpose in uh, in keeping that uh, concept alive 
that we're workers, we're American workers, we're worldwide workers, and that workers have to stand up for one another in collective bargaining. Great answer, man. Great answer. Yeah, I'm also a union member, so I, I understand what's going on. Awesome, man. Anything else, it? Ray? That's it? I think we've covered another batch of questions that uh, were fun. Okay. You know, I don't know a lot about Shakespeare, but uh, I also enjoy when you start going into the, you know, reciting some of it and stuff. It, it's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it, that, and, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the, for the reinforcement. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not it, kidding when I say that, Mark. Like I, I've, you know, we've all gone to school. We've all heard people talk about Shakespeare before. And yeah, we've all heard the alas for your, yeah. We've all said that a million times over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, it makes so much more sense the way that you say it. I mean, it sounds more the way that it it just makes more sense. Like, that's the way people talk. Why would people talk the other way? I don't, I, you know, it's uh, it's uh, all of the, all of acting <clears throat> is merely is merely recognizable stereotypes forced through a playwright's mangle. That's all it is. You just have to pick the appropriate stereotype and go with the mangle that the playwright puts it through. Yeah. But it's it's all of us. It's all of us. It's each one of us. Mark, this has been great, man. Any anything else that you want to say? Uh, I just want to reiterate uh, in uh, 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 that uh, uh, for people to support the the unions uh, of their of their choice in their area. Uh, uh, now and forever. Uh, be patient with the mistakes that their unions might make and remember that the unions do more good than bad for the common working person uh, and that um, uh, there is uh, their strength in numbers uh, that an individual does not, uh, cannot exercise. Great, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Again. Thank, you for, thank, you, thank you for giving me a platform uh, to, to present that message on behalf of the industry uh, and uh, and in exchange uh, uh, I'm happy to have shared uh, whatever might have been of value uh, that the uh, that represents the value of the industry uh, that we that that, uh, that I'm here to remind us all of you're more than welcome here anytime mark all right you know that I look forward to you guys when you come visit either individually or as a couple here in the uh, in LA. Absolutely, man. All right. And don't go anywhere. Uh, cause I'm going to end this, but I want to talk to you about some other stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.